Farmers are the heartbeat of rural America. Congress recently invested $20 billion in America's farmers and ranchers, focusing on conservation practices and profits for future generations. Today, these funds are at risk. You're squawking over $20 billion. That USDA program, it's investment into the future for everybody. If the funding was eliminated, it could hurt farms and families. Tell Congress, protect this generational investment in the Farm Bill. Learn more at investinourland.org. Paid for by Invest in Our Land. Hello, listeners. Welcome to Politico's Nerdcast. I'm Scott Bland, your host. This week on the show, we are going to talk about Senator Kirsten Sinema, not really a household name in American politics. She's a freshman Democratic senator from Arizona, just elected in 2018 after three terms in the House. But we're going to talk about her because she represents a really interesting tension we're seeing in Congress and on the campaign trail. As a story in Politico described her this week, she's a radical centrist. She really doesn't mind bucking her party, and that makes her an important figure in a few different ways. In the ongoing fight within the Democratic Party about the best way to win elections, win swing states, turn red states blue, but also in the impeachment fight that's ramping up quickly this week, with the House voting Thursday on a resolution to lay out guidelines for that process. So a quick note before we get started, we're taping this on Thursday. That's Halloween this week. So if anything notable or breaking or spooky happens after that, we will cover it on the next episode. Now we're going to go back to cinema. And with us to talk all about it is Burgess Everett, Politico's intrepid Senate reporter, who's on the line. Burgess, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, Scott. So where where are you recording from today? Uh, we're up in the uh, windowless third floor of the Capitol. Wonderful. It sounds very, very uh, picturesque. So the, the reason we've got you on this week, you wrote this great piece about Arizona Senator Kirsten Cinema, And the, I, I was so excited when I saw this piece pop up on the budget earlier this week because, you know, Cinema is kind of an enigmatic figure. And and yeah. Burgess, you've got this great talent for, for profiling these senators and, and people running for Senate. And so it, it seemed like a, a, a great match, and it did not disappoint. You know, for people who may not have that much familiarity with her, can you walk us through who she is? You got about half an hour with the, the new yeah. Democratic senator from Arizona, which is pretty rare for any journalist not based in the state. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're not sort of a borderline political junkie, you know, that follows midterm elections and things like that, there, you know, you may have no reason to have heard of her if you're not from Arizona. Um, but she's the she was the first Democrat to win a Senate election in 30 years uh, in Arizona. As I head to serve our great state in the United States Senate, I pledge... She is the third youngest member of the Senate. Uh, she's bisexual. She has a funky sense of style. Um, you know, she she's not she's just sort of this contemporary figure that really cuts against this sort of stodgy sort of view of the Senate that most Americans would have. So just sort of that initial profile of her is interesting on its own. But the other sort of piece of this is that she's, for a Democrat, quite conservative. Um, she ran her campaign uh, by opposing Chuck Schumer as Democratic leader. I don't approach a vote thinking I'm going to vote with this party or that party. I approach a vote always thinking what is right for my state. Yeah. And I, I actually just don't care what the other people are doing. Yeah. Um, she won't commit to uh, supporting the Democratic uh, nominee in so the presidential contest. I, you know, and, you know, she's sort of defined by the things she, she doesn't do as much as the things she does, uh, which is she's very close with a ton of Republicans and she just is sort of 
that's her drive. Work with Republicans. They're in the majority. Get things done. She's proud to have passed two bills already. So Roberts and I are the only two senators who've gotten that many bills done. Freshman. Which she says is not bad for a freshman senator uh, 10 months in, and I would not dispute her uh, there. So she's sort of this new face of the party, but doesn't want to be a face of the party, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And Burgess, she kind of underwent a remarkable political transformation to get to this point. I mean, her, her political awakening and start came as kind of a, a left-wing activist in Arizona, basically, right? Yeah, and that was sort of the gist of the Republican effort to defeat her. Not only in her House races, she won three House races as sort of a moderate, but also in the Senate race against Martha McSally last year. Um, But she sort of just acted like that's all noise. And I said these things in the past, but here's who I am now. Well, because that was 17 years ago. (laughs) Okay, so is that the point? So are you saying that, look, that was me then, this is me now? Is that how you're explaining that? Well, I have always taken very seriously. It worked for her, and she never sort of disputed that her views were more progressive in the past, um, but she's just sort of transformed herself and people seem to accept that version of her. Yeah, to the point where she was, uh, you know, she, she voted to confirm the attorney general, Bill Barr. Um, she voted, I think there was another uh, Trump cabinet member who she voted to confirm in her short time in the Senate. That, uh, she's um, yeah, Bernhardt, you know, the Interior Secretary. That's right. Thank you. Um, that you know, she's been kind of notably to the right of a lot of her colleagues, uh, in certainly in the House Democratic Caucus on on immigration and some other issues. Yeah. So who's she yeah. close with in the Senate? You listed some names in the story. I think, if I'm not mistaken, they were all Republicans. Yeah, I mean, you know, you talk to Democrats and they said, you know, she's she's fine, but we don't really know her that well. And then you talk to Republicans and like. You know, Kevin Kramer was someone I quoted um, in the story, and it was funny, you know, just a couple hours after the story published, uh, Kramer and Cinema wrote an op-ed about the Ex-Im Bank uh, together. So, you know, she's she's tight with him and Ted Cruz. She's great friends with Tim Scott from South Carolina. I see her talking on the floor to the Republican whip, John Thune. Uh, she uh, knows Tom Cotton pretty well, who is not exactly somebody who's uh, working with a ton of Democrats all the time. Uh, so, you know, if you it's a similar similar to what she was doing in the House in terms of being much closer to Republicans in, in a public fashion than Democrats, uh, but the Senate's a lot more clubby and sort of chummy, and it's harder to get away with, and she's still doing it. And Burgess, amidst everything else, you know, the kind of trailblazing personal story, the the unusual ideological position, Cinema is like a, a freak yeah. athlete as well, right? She she skipped Senate votes to run, yeah, to run uh, an Iron Man Yeah, she did, race. and it was right after she came into office, and it was actually some fairly important votes. Uh, she did not care. You know, I asked her, did you get any blowback on this? Was there any criticism? And she just said, the Iron Man's pretty badass. That was really all she had to offer um, on the subject. <laughs> and it, it goes with her sort of total personality because I was also asking her about, hey, I noticed you don't go to the Democratic caucus lunches very much, if at all. And she didn't deny that and said, I only go when Arizona issues are sort of front and center. I, I go when I think there's something relevant for Arizona. Yeah. So it gives you the sense that she doesn't really care about any criticism she does receive or if she's being seen as doing things that are not sort of the traditional Senate way. Yeah. And and to be clear, an Ironman race is like insanity personified, right? What exactly is involved with that? 
I, I, you know, I don't even know, but I did talk to her about <laughs> doing a follow-up of, of going jogging with her, and she was impressed that I was able to keep up with Tom Cotton, although skeptical that he was running as fast as he could when we went jogging a few years ago. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the upshot of all this that you wrote in your piece is that Cinema's setting herself up to be a pivotal vote uh, in, in the Senate for the foreseeable future, especially the next time Democrats are in power. And she's, you know, she's one of, you know, the, the 51 or 52, 53, how, however much a majority yeah. might be. Can you game, game that out for us a little bit? It's, you know, the, uh, just given the the increasing rarity of centrists, it, the, it seems like this is going to be very important. I mean, the most important thing right now is if you listen to the presidential candidates talk, especially the more progressive ones like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. And when the Democrats have the White House again, if Mitch McConnell tries to do what he did to President Obama, then we should get rid of the filibuster. They're going to need to do things with the Senate rules, whether it's getting rid of the filibuster or jamming uh, tons of things in budget reconciliation that sort of stretches, bends, even breaks the sort of filibuster rules in the 60-vote threshold. I care a lot about this. I think that Harry Reid made a mistake. Um, a big mistake. To do that, you need support of at least 50 senators plus the vice president. She says she's not going to go for that. In fact, whether I'm in the majority or the minority, I would always vote to reinstate the protections really? for the minority, even when I'm in the majority. And here's why. You, you, sh- you should think about this in the arc of our country and the arc of democracy and what our forefathers intended. Not in your short-term political gain. When you make decisions for your short-term political gain, then everyone pays for it over the long term. You'd go back to the pre-2013 rules. I would absolutely go to pre-Harry Reid decision. Mm -hmm. 100%. Democrats are going to struggle to get the majority to begin with. It's not exactly easy. They need to pick up uh, three or four seats, depending on how Doug Jones does, plus the presidency. And so you can quickly see that actually, well, if you want to make those sort of sweeping rules changes or, or push the rules, you actually need to pick up more seats than that because Cinema says she's not budging on that. And, you know, sort of in a blast at the old Democratic leadership of Harry Reid, she said she disagreed with the effort to change uh, the Senate rules in 2013 to get rid of the 60-vote threshold on nominees, which was because Republicans mm. were blocking circuit circuit nominees. I mean, this is not something you hear most people in the party saying. Uh, I believe Amy Klobuchar said it a few months ago and was sort of reprimanded quickly about that and and recanted. So, you know, this is not a position that most of the Democrats have, but it could all come down to one or two votes. And she's probably going to be one of them if the Democrats have a good year. Absolutely. That's a great point. You know, Burgess, you brought up the uh, Bernie Sanders and the, and the presidential race earlier. I'm, I'm curious. Another thing that really strikes me about cinema is that it seems like she could play a big role in the 2020 presidential race if she wanted to, though she clearly doesn't. And, and we'll get into that in a moment. But there's this big question about electability coursing through the Democratic Party right now. You know, like, yeah, broadly speaking, whether it's better to be a centrist and if you can chase swing voters that way or if you can inspire more inf- infrequent voters with kind of a more unabashed progressive populism. And Cinema's victory in Arizona and, and everything we've talked about with her here, the, you know, the first in 30 years for a Democratic Senate candidate there, her, her background and her kind of radical centrism, I think you call it, would seem to be a big data point here in favor of, of that side of this argument on 
in within the Democratic Party. Yeah, it would. And, you know, this is somebody who, you know, Democrats are looking at the map. The, you know, there's the sort of traditional path to back to the presidency, which is the Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin route. Uh, but then there's also some folks who like the sort of sunbelt changing demographics, which we've sort of seen come, see come online in places like Virginia and Nevada. Uh, and there's a question, you know, if cinema can win in Arizona, can a Democratic presidential candidate win in Arizona? Yeah, absolutely. And so she she, she could kind of be the guiding light there. She doesn't want to do it. You know, she she has no advice for them. You know, she told me she doesn't you know, as you alluded to, she doesn't even watch the debate. She hasn't watched one second. Well, debate. I have chosen not to watch the debates. You haven't watched a single one? No. You're missing a lot of arguing. <laughs> Actually, not missing anything. Because she said she prefers happiness. I prefer happiness. And so I don't need, I don't need to watch that. Uh, so, like, that is the most, you know, because you, 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 you kind of want to see well, where do you think the party should be going here? Because your state is critically important. And she just doesn't see it as her job to sort of dictate uh, who can win in Arizona. I don't think it's relevant to the work I'm doing. And it's not relevant to the lives of everyday Arizonans. She's just not interested in it. And it's really really weird because most, most senators, you know, from swing states or conservative leaning ones would, would sort of give you some sort of hint at who can or can't win there. Absolutely. I mean, like she, you know, as as far as a lot of people in Arizona are concerned, she just laid out a roadmap, right, of how to win the state. It yeah. could could be an important twenty twenty swing state, but she's not really <laughs> not really interested in in talking to other people about the, or at least right now, about the road that that she drove down to get there. Maybe that'll change once there's a nominee and there's you know one person to deal with, or who knows. Um, it might you know, it might, but you know, her roadmap is also based on this unique personality and profile she has that cannot True. be mimicked by anybody else. So it's possible that just being a moderate is not the secret sauce here. It could be more that she's that unique and that is why she won as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's let's pivot back to, to another thing you talked about before. Uh, cinema is a potentially key vote next time Democrats hold the Senate. She could also be a key vote much sooner, right? With an impeachment trial looming over the Senate. And Burgess, she sounded very, very wary very circumspect about impeaching and or removing President Donald Trump, uh, playing her cards very close to the vest, it seemed. Yeah, I mean, she sort of sounded like, um, you know, Susan Collins or maybe Lamar Alexander, Uh, you know, uh I'm a juror, we shouldn't be commenting on this. As you know, if the House moves through the impeachment process and does impeach, the Senate then has a constitutional requirement to serve as a jury. We have to do a trial. And um, I take that very seriously. But sort of the really notable thing is, you know, she's one of maybe a half dozen congressional Democrats that have not endorsed the impeachment inquiry. And she said, that's not my role to do that. Do you think the inquiry itself in the House is warranted at this point? You know, I think that's a question for the House. That's not my job. It's not my role. Which is a Mitt Romney line. So, uh, yeah, I mean, she does sort of sound like nobody else on this issue. I mean, I think... Joe Manchin sounds more concerned about the president's actions uh, or or more sort of warm to the idea of the impeachment inquiry than Senator Sinema does. And I, I think that's all very deliberate because, you know, her overall guiding principle seems to be that what we're talking about here in Washington is not generally that important to her constituents and therefore not super important to her. 
Interesting. And Burgess, while we have you on the line, can, can you just zoom out a little bit and give us a broader perspective on impeachment? I want to take advantage of having a, a Senate expert with us at this key moment. You know, obviously, a lot of the testimony, upcoming votes are happening in the House. Yeah. But there's already a lot of activity going on around this in the Senate. And I'm, I'm curious what, what your view is of what, what the state of play is. You know, I, I think on the Republican side, it's really been a lot of process-oriented bashing, um, which the president sort of doesn't love he, he wants it to be more on the substance but the reality is you know a handful to somewhere just under a dozen maybe senators have said it's not exactly appropriate for the president to be asking a foreign government to look into biden's and in- investigate them um so not everybody's going to be comfortable defending him on the substance and so that the line you get from somebody like a Lamar Alexander or a Pat Toomey is, or Rob Portman, is that not appropriate, not impeachable. You know, I don't know how sustainable that is um, because the things are moving so quickly. Uh, so the other thing is, like, they're not really attacking the witnesses in the same way that maybe House Republicans or the conservative media are. So I, my sense is Senate Republicans are just being as cautious as they can without being seen as at odds with the president. The exception there would probably be somebody like Mitt Romney, who's been the most outspoken, but he's not really hurling bombs every day uh, at the president. And I don't think he thinks that's an effective strategy to just sort of become the dial a quote about how concerning everything is. Um, so really not, you know, everybody's kind of in their foxholes a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the maybe the biggest one of those groups that, that you just alluded to, that it seems like there's this group of Republican senators who are uh, it, it would seem to me concerned about something more happening or blowing up, and and they don't they don't want to be caught in the middle of it, having having you know stepped to to out to say Trump should be exonerated or anything like that early. Yeah, I mean, not to give away too much of my future reporting, but like I've you know <laughs> I, I grabbed Cory Gardner yesterday, who's not always you know easy to to ask these questions of because he's up for re-election, he doesn't love like. You know, like most of these senators, they're concentrating on what's going on at home more than, you know, what we're writing every day. Uh, But he, you know, doesn't like the House process. But then when you turn to, you know, how would you vote if the vote was today? He's like not getting into that at all. Uh, I'm going to do my job. Look at all the evidence. And sort of that's sort of the way the rhetoric is, is transforming among the Republicans is like, don't assume anything about me. All that being said, I find it very unlikely the president would not only be ousted from office, I find it unlikely that more than one or two Republicans would even vote, you know, to convict him of impeachment. But that's right now mm. and anything can change. OK. Well, Burgess, thank you so much for, for joining us to talk through all of that cinema, sure. impeachment, everything. Thank you for taking the time. All right, man. See you soon. And a big thank you to all of you for tuning in this week. Hey, a quick note here from the Nerdcast crack team of fact checkers, i.e. me on Google just now. So Burgess and I had no idea what's actually involved in an Iron Man race, but this is actually an answerable question. So here it is. It's a 2.4-mile swim, a 112-mile bike ride, and then a marathon, which is 26.2 miles of running. So I was right. This is completely insane. And if any of you out there are considering doing this, my personal recommendation would be to consider a safer hobby, like sword swallowing or, or like really anything else. Um, anyway, but th- I think that illustrates Kirsten Cinema a little bit more. On to the rest. Our producer for this episode is Annie Reese. Dave Shaw is our executive producer. Our illustrator is Bill Cookman. If you like the Nerdcast, please do us a favor and rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. It helps new listeners find the show. 
Once again, thank you so much for listening this week. We'll talk to you again in our next episode.